Chapter Twelve of Christmas A Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Christmas A Story by Zona Gale. Chapter Twelve. Ten minutes after Mary Chava had left her house, every window was lighted. A fire was kindled in the parlor, and neighbors came from the dark and fell to work at the baskets they had brought. It was marvelous what homely cheer arose. The dining-room table, stretched at its fullest length and white-covered, was various with the yellow and red of fruit and salads, the golden-brown of cake and rolls, and the mosaic of dishes. The fire roared in the flat-topped stove on whose wings covered pans waited, and everywhere was that happy stir and touch and lift, that note of preparation which informs a time as sunshine or music will strike its key. "'My land! The oven! The warming oven! Mary ain't got one! However will we keep the stuff hot?' Ms. Winslow demanded. "'What time is it?' "'We'd ought to had my big coffee-pot. "'We'd ought to set two going. "'I don't know why I didn't think of it,' Miss Moran grieved. "'Well,' said Miss Mortimer Bates, "'when the men get here, if they ever do get here, "'we'll send one of em off somewheres for the truck we forgot. "'What time is it?' "'Here comes a whole cartload of folks,' Miss Moran announced. "'I hope and pray they've got the oysters. "'They'd ought to be popped in the baking oven a minute. "'What time did you say it is?' "'It's twenty minutes past seven, Miss Winslow said, "'pushing her hair straight back, regardless of its part, "'and we ain't ready within eleven hundred miles.' "'Well, if they only all get here,' Miss Bates said, "'ringing golden and white stuffed eggs on Mary's blue platter. "'It's their all being here when she gets here that I want. "'I ain't worried about the supper, much.' "'The road's black with folks,' Miss Moran went on. "'I'm so deadly afraid I didn't make enough sandwiches. "'Oh, I don't know why it wasn't given me to make more, I'm sure. "'Who's seeing to them in the parlor? "'Who's getting their baskets out here? "'Where are they finding a place for their wraps? "'Who's lighting the rest of the lamps? "'What time is it?' demanded Miss Winslow, cutting her cakes. "'Oh,' said Miss Bates, from a cloud of brown butter about the cooking-stove, I don't know whether we've done right. I don't know, but we've broke our word to the Christmas paper. I don't know whether we ain't going to get ourselves criticized for this as never folks was criticized before. Miss Moran changed her chair to the draftless corner back of the cooking stove and offered to stir the savory saucepan. I know it, she said, I know it. We never planned much in the first start. It grew and it grew like it grew with its own bones. "'but maybe there's some won't believe that one second. Miss Winslow straightened up from the table "'and held out a hand with fingers frosting-tipped. "'Well,' she said with a great period, "'if we have broke our word to the Christmas paper, "'I'd rather stand up here with my word broke this way "'than with it kept so good it hurt me. "'Is it half-past seven yet?' "'I wish Ellen Bourne was here,' Miss Bates observed. "'She sent her salad-dressing over and lent her silver and her Christmas rose for the table, but come she would not. "'I wonder if she couldn't come over now if we sent after her last minute.' 
Simeon Buck, appearing a few minutes later at the kitchen door to set a basket inside, was dispatched for Ellen Bourne, the warming oven, and the coffee-pot collectively. He took with him Abel Ames, who was waiting for him without. And it chanced that they knocked at the Bournes's door just after Ben Helders had driven away with the little boy, so that the men found the family still in the presence of the little tree. "'Hello,' said Simeon, aghast. "'Christmasing away all by yourselves, I'll be bound, like so many thieves. I recollect not seeing your names on the paper.' "'No, I didn't sign,' Ellen said. "'I voted against it that night at the town meeting, but I guess nobody heard me.' "'Well,' said Simeon, "'so here you've got a Christmas tree of your own going forward, neat as a kitten's foot. "'Ain't you coming over to Mary Chava's?' Abel broke in with a kind of gentleness. "'All of you?' "'Ellen smote her hands together. "'I meant to go over later,' she said, "'and take—' "'She paused. "'I thought we'd all go over later,' she said. "'I forgot about it. "'Why, yes, I guess we can go now, can't we? "'All three of us?' "'Abel Ames stood looking at the tree. "'He half guessed that she might have dressed it "'for no one who would see it. "'He looked at Ellen and ventured what he thought.' "'Ellen,' he said, "'if you ain't going to do anything more with that tree to-night, "'why not take some of the things off "'and have Matthew set it on his shoulder "'and bring it over to Mary's for the boy that's coming?' "'Ellen hesitated. "'Would they like it?' she asked. "'Would folks?' "'Abel smiled. "'I'll take the blame,' he said, "'and you take the tree.' "'And seeing Simeon hesitate, "'now let's stop by for Ms. Moran's coffee-pot,' he added, "'Hustle up. The local must be in.' So presently the tree, partly divested of its brightness, was carried through the streets to the other house, in more than the magic which attends the carrying in the open road of a tree, a statue, a cart filled with flowers, for the tree was like some forbidden thing that still would be expressed.' "'He might not come till Christmas is way past,' Ellen thought, following. "'She'll leave it standing a few days. "'We can go down there and look at it, if he comes.' "'A little way behind them, Simeon and Abel, "'with the coffee-pot and the warming-oven, "'were hurrying back to Mary's. "'They went down the deserted street where Abel's candle burned "'and Simeon's saint stood mute.' "'When I was a little shaver,' Abel said, "'they used to have me stand in the open doorway Christmas Eve "'and hold a candle and say a verse. "'I forget the verse, but I've always liked the candle in doors or windows like tonight. "'Look at mine over there now. Ain't it like somebody saying something?' "'Well,' said Simeon, not to be outdone, "'when we come by my window just now, the light hit down on it, "'and I could have swore I see the saint smile.' "'Like enough,' said Abel placidly, "'like enough. "'You can't put Christmas out. "'I see that two weeks ago.' "'He looked back at his own window. "'If the little kid that come in the store "'last Christmas Eve tries to come in again to-night,' he said, "'he won't find it all pitch dark anyway. "'I'd like to know who he was.' Near the corner that turned down to the Rule factory, they saw Ebenezer Rule coming toward them on the old trail road. They called to him. "'Hello, Ebenezer,' said Abel. "'Ain't you coming in to Mary Chavez to-night?' "'I think not,' Ebenezer answered. "'Come ahead,' encouraged Simeon. 
As they met, Abel spoke hesitatingly. Ebenezer, he said, I was just figuring on proposing to Simeon here that we stop into your house. I was thinking, he broke off, how would it be for you and him and me that sort of stand for the merchandise end of this town to show up at Mary's house tonight? Well, it's the women have done all the work so far, and I was wondering how it would be for the three of us to get there with some little thing for that little kid that's coming to her. We could find something that wouldn't cost much. It hadn't ought to cost much, count of our set principles. And take it to him, Abel ended doubtfully. Ebenezer simply laughed his curious succession of gutturals. <laughs> Crazy to Christmas after all, ain't you, he said. But Simeon wheeled and stared at Abel, for defection in their own camp he had never looked. "'I knew you'd miss it! I knew you'd miss it!' Simeon said excitedly. "'Cut paper and fancy tassels and—' "'No such thing,' said Abel shortly. "'I was thinking of that boy getting here, that's all, "'and I couldn't see why we shouldn't do our share, "'which totin' coffee-pots and warming-ovens ain't as I see it.' "'Well, but my heavens, man,' said Simeon, "'it's Christmas. "'You can't go giving anybody anything, can you?' "'I don't mean give it to him for Christmas at all,' Abel protested. "'I mean give it to him just like you would any other day. "'We'd likely take him something if it wasn't Christmas. "'Sort of to show our good will, like the women with the supper. "'Well, why not take him some little thing, even if it is Christmas?' "'Oh, well,' said Simeon, "'that way. "'If you make it plain it ain't for Christmas. "'Of course we ain't to blame for what day his train got in on.' "'Sure we ain't,' said Abel confidently. Ebenezer was moving away. "'We'll call in for you in half an hour or so,' Abel's voice followed him. "'We'll slip out after the boy gets there. There won't be time before. What say, Ebenezer?' "'I think not,' said Ebenezer. "'You don't need me.' "'Well, congratulations anyhow,' Abel called. Ebenezer stopped on the crossing. "'What for?' he asked. "'Man alive,' said Abel. "'Don't you know Bruce has got a little girl?' "'No,' said Ebenezer. "'I didn't know. "'I'm obliged to you.' He turned from them, but instead of crossing the street to go to his house, he faced down the little dark street to the factory. He had walked past Jenny's once that evening, but without being able to force himself to inquire. He knew that Bruce had come a day or two before, but Bruce had sent him no word. Bruce had never sent any word since the conditions of the failure had been made plain to him when he had resigned his position, refused the salary due him, and left Old Trail Town. Clearly Ebenezer could make no inquiry under those circumstances, he told himself. They had cut themselves off from him definitely. How definitely he was cut off from them was evident as he went down the dark street to the factory. He was strangely quickened from head to foot with the news of the birth of Bruce's child. He went down toward the factory simply because that was the place that he knew best and he wanted to be near it. He walked in the snow of the mid-road, facing the wind, steeped in that sense of keener being which a word may pour in the veins until the body flows with it. The third generation, the next of kin, 
that which stirred in him was a satisfaction almost physical that his family was promised its future as he went he was unconscious as he was always unconscious of the little street but perhaps because abel had mentioned mary's house he noted the folk bound thither whom he was meeting ben torrey with a basket and his two boys beside him august muir carrying his little girl and a basket and his wife following with a basket ebenezer spoke to them and after he had passed them he thought about them for a minute quite little families he thought i suppose they get along i wonder how much bruce is making a week nellie hatch and her lame sister were watching at the lighted window as if there were something to see must be kind of dreary work for them living he thought i suppose bruce is pretty pleased pretty pleased at the corner some one spoke to him with a note of pleasure in his voice it was his bookkeeper with his wife and two partly grown daughters ebenezer thought of his last meeting with his bookkeeper and remembered the man's smile of perfect comprehension and sympathy as if they two had something in common family life does cling to a man he had said that was his wife on his arm and their two daughters on that salary of his was it possible it occurred to ebenezer that she was saving egg money earning sewing money winning prizes for puzzles as letty had done outside the factory the blue arc light threw a thousand shadows on the great bulk of the building but left naked in light the little office he stood looking at it as he so rarely saw it from part way across the road seen so it took on another aspect as if it had emerged from some costuming given it by the years the office was painted brown and discolored he saw it white with lozenge panes unbroken flowered curtains at the windows the light of lamp and wood stove shining out and as sharply as if it had been painted on the air he saw some unimportant incident in his life there a four-wheeled carriage drawn up at the door with some christmas guests just arriving and himself and letty and malcolm in the open doorway he could not remember who the guests were or whether he had been glad to see them and he had no wish in the world to see those guests again but the simple, casual, homely incident became to him the sign of all that makes up everyday life, the everyday life of folk, of folks, from which he had so long been absent. His eyes went down the dark little street, where were the houses of the men who were his factory hands. Just for a breath he saw them as they were, the chorus to the thing he was thinking about. They were all thinking about it, too. Every one of them knew what he knew. Just for a breath he saw the little street as it was, an entity. Then the sight closed, but through him ran again that sense of keener being, so poignant that now, as his veins flowed with it, something deeper within him almost answered. He wheeled impatiently from where he stood. He wanted to do something. At the end of the street he could see them crossing under the light on their way to Mary Chava's. 
Abel and Simeon might stop for him, but how could he go there among the folk whom he had virtually denied their Christmas? What would they have to say to him? Yet what they should say would, after all, matter nothing to him, and perhaps he would hear them say something about Bruce and Jenny. Still, he had nothing to take there, as Abel had suggested. What had he that a boy would want to have? Unless— he thought for a moment, then he crossed the street to what had been his house. He went in, seeing again the hallway and stair, red-carpeted, and the door opened into the lamp-lit room beyond. He found and lighted an end of candle that he knew, and made his way up the stair. There he set the candle down, and lowered the ladder that led to the loft. In the loft a gust of wind from the skylight blew out the flame of his little wick. In the darkness the broken panes above his head looked down on him like a face, and that face the sky, thousand-eyed. He mounted a box, pushed up the frame, and put out his head. The sky lay near, the little town showed, heaped roofs and lifting smoke, and here and there a light. Sparkling in their midst was the light before the town hall, like an eye guarding something and answering to the light before his factory and to the other light before the station where the world went by. High over all, climbing the east, came Capella and seemed to be standing above the village. As he looked, the need to express what he felt beset Ebenezer. Quite a little town, he thought quite a little town. He closed the glass and groped in the darkness to where the roof, sloping sharply, met the door. There he touched an edge of something that swayed, and he laid hold of and drew out that for which he had come, Malcolm's hobby-horse. Downstairs in the hall he set it on the floor, examined it, rocked it with one finger, the horse returned to its ancient office as if it were irrevocably ordained to service. Ebenezer, his head on one side, stood for some time regarding it. Then he slipped something in its worn saddle-pocket. Last he lifted and settled the thing under his arm. "'I don't know, but I might as well walk round by Mary Chava's house,' he thought. "'I needn't stay long.' At Mary Chava's house the two big parlors, the hall, the stairs, the dining-room, even the tiny bedroom with the owl wallpaper, were filled with folk come to welcome the little boy, and on the parlor table, set so that he should see it when he first entered, blazed Ellen Bourne's little tree. The coffee was hot on the stove, good things were ready on the table, and the air was electric with expectation, with the excitement of being together, with the imminent surprise to Mary, and with curiosity about the little stranger from Idaho. "'What'll we all say when he first comes in?' somebody asked. "'Might say Merry Christmas,' two or three suggested. "'Mercy, no,' replied shocked voices, "'not to Mary Chava especially.' but however they should say it, the time was quick with cheer. At quarter to eight the gate clicked. 
the word passed from one to another and by the time a step sounded on the porch the rooms were still save for the whispers and a voice or two that kept unconsciously on in some remote corner but instead of the door opening to admit mary and her little boy a hesitating knock sounded those nearest to the door questioned one another with startled looks and one of them threw the door open on the threshold stood affer the telegraph operator who thrust in a very dirty hand and a yellow envelope we don't deliver nights he said but i thought she'd ought to have this one i'm going home to wash up and then i'll be back he added and left them staring at one another around the little lighted tree End of chapter 12